are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve both. And now, let's listen in to this week's sermon. And we are continuing our study of Luke's gospel, but before we get to where we're going to be in Luke chapter 7 today, I want to explain to everyone from Scripture why this is so important. So we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 13. And in Matthew 13, Jesus tells the parable of the soils. And this is one that is recorded also in Mark's gospel as well as Luke's gospel. And we're going to get to the parable of the soils here in just a little while, uh, in a few weeks. But Jesus tells this parable. He says, here is the parable. But what happens next will help us understand where we're going to be at in Luke today. So if you look at Matthew 13, starting in verse number 10, it says, And the disciples came to him and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? That is a really, really Good question that they ask. They ask him, why are you speaking to us in parables? And I just want to say this from the outset. A parable is a kingdom truth or a heavenly truth with an earthly illustration. That's what a parable is. Look at verse number 11. He answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, talking to his 12 apostles. But to them, everyone else, it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Then he goes on in verse 14, with this is a reference to Isaiah chapter 6, he says, And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing will, you will not hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of his, his people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts in turn so that I should heal them. Verse number 16, But blessed are your eyes, you twelve, that I have set apart. Blessed are you, are your eyes, for they see, for your ears, for they hear. For surely I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. So what Jesus is telling them is you 12 that I have chosen, you guys are very, very blessed in this fact that prophets, kings desired to understand the things of the kingdom of heaven. They desired to see that you guys, I'm letting you in on this very, very big, let's call it a secret I don't mean that in, a, in the usual term, but 
people have desired and sought after what it is that you are going to hear and to understand that. So, understanding that, that will help us understand what is happening in Luke chapter 7. So if you would turn to Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. And while you're turning there, I encourage you, after this service, to go out into our lobby. And over on this side, over here, in between the little kitchen and the men's restroom, there's a painting of what we're about to read. So I encourage you after the service to go and take a look at that, and you can see a visual representation of what's happening here. So we're in Luke chapter 7. I should probably get there too. Okay, so in Luke chapter 7, what we're doing, we are going verse by verse through Luke's gospel. But what we're going to do, I'm going to give you homework here today, where we left off last week, where Tom left off, was at the end of verse number 16, where the widow's son was raised. What we're going to do, your homework, is to read Luke 7, 17, all the way down through 35. That doesn't mean that it's not important to us here on Sunday mornings, but for the sake of, of kind of moving along at a, at a good pace, uh, we are just simply going to be looking at 36 down through the end of the chapter this morning. So let me go ahead and read you Luke 7, 36, and we're going to go down through 39 to begin with. So this is Luke 7, 36. It says, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house. And he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table with the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, talking about Jesus, if he were a prophet would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Now this account, Jesus is almost kind of full steam ahead when it comes to his earthly ministry. He is preaching the kingdom of God. That is the main thing that he is doing. He is preaching this new covenant, this covenant of grace. That's the main message. But he's also, to authenticate that message and to prove to the people that he is God, he is healing people. Last week we heard that he raised a, a woman's uh, son. He healed the centurion's servant. That is what Jesus was doing. He is saying, I am God in human form on this earth. I have the power to heal, but also what we're going to see today, I have the power to forgive sin, me and me alone. So he's invited by this Pharisee 
whose name is Simon. That's not Simon Peter. It's a different person. This is a Pharisee. Now, the Pharisees are the religious people, the religious types. They said, we've got a lock on religion in Israel. If we keep the law, then we're good. We're the only ones who can keep it. The rest of you peasants cannot. So they were the pompous religious people. And what he did, he did not want to enjoy the company of, of Christ. He wanted to point out how wrong Jesus was for claiming to be God as well as what he just said here is a prophet. So they were not there to, to enjoy the time together. He was trying to trip him up and get him to say something that, that he shouldn't have. So he's invited into this house. And the thing to understand about a Jewish uh, meal like this is it was men only who were allowed in the home for these particular meals. So everyone else would kind of sit outside of the window and kind of do this number right here and listen because these Jewish rabbis would exchange wisdom. If you ever sat around and heard a bunch of old men talking, of course they, they tell stories, we talked about that the other night, that they would, no, that wasn't a joke, that was, <laughs> uh, I'm not calling you old, I, I promise you. Yeah, I know, Tom volunteered that information. So, but if, if you've ever heard that, you hear a lot of wisdom coming from them, a lot of jokes and, you know, cutting up, that kind of thing, but also a lot of wisdom. So in these, these Jewish meals, what they would do is they would talk about, uh, for a lack of a better term, religious wisdom. And so they would do this. So a lot of people would sit outside, men, women, and children, and they would listen and be like, oh, that's good, and write that down. So here we have, that's, that's kind of the scene where we're at here today. But there was a woman who made her way in there. This woman... Let's talk about her for just a second. She was likely a prostitute. And the reason I say that is she was identified as a sinner. Verses 37, 39, and by Jesus in verse 47. But the other thing is she had unbound hair. Now, at the time, if you had unbound hair, that likely meant that you had a ill reputation, and were likely a prostitute. So that's who this woman is. So she, despite all of that, she comes into the home. So that showed a lot of courage on her part. Why? Because word of Jesus was spreading throughout all of the region. People were hearing, okay, this guy, there's something, there's something to him. He can not only heal you, it doesn't say that she has any physical infirmity or anything, yet she risked her, essentially her life, to come an unclean woman coming in the presence of these clean and holy men. She could have been beaten, kicked out of the house, or even killed. So she risked that to come and to do this. But I want to look again at verse number 38. So what she did was she took an alabaster flask. An alabaster is a white white uh, type of stone that is very soft, that was very precious at the time. 
And so what they would do is they would keep perfumes and things in there. It, it held it really well. Very expensive. So she took this and flask of fragrant oil, stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now what is happening here? is this woman, likely a prostitute, is down on her knees with her hair and her tears, wiping the feet of Jesus, anointing his feet with this oil. The reason she is doing this, this is a sign of repentance. So what she did, and hopefully all of us have been there, we have come to that point of I am so sinful. I need a Savior. And for a lot of us, that's the point that we get to when we become born again. When we look at ourselves and say, golly, what have I been doing my whole life? So for me, I was 28 years old before I got to that point. No one was leading me, you know, anything like that. It, it, I was in church, but it wasn't someone leading me one-on-one -on -one to the Lord, I had to come to that realization myself. And for me, my experience, personal experience, was not too far from hers. I hit my knees and I began puddles, puddles of stuff coming from my head. Tears. I mean, just weeping, weeping. I got to that point. I was broken. I realized how sinful I was, not in the amount of sin or the type of sin. It was the fact that I was a sinner, period. So with sin, there needs to be a Savior, and that's when I turned to Christ. It wasn't at a youth rally. It wasn't at a youth summer camp or anything like that. I was 28 years old, living on my own, and I got to that point and thank the Lord every single day for getting to that point. Because I realized how great my sin was, there was nothing that I could ever do, ever, to earn God's grace. His grace is there. It is always there. I had to get to that point so that I could understand it and place my faith in Him and Him alone. So this woman, tears and fragrant oil with her hair, wiping the feet of Christ. Now, this wasn't just because he was a special guest or something. It's because that he was the Lord, and she recognized that. So her actions reflected her heart. Her actions reflected what was in her heart. So let's keep reading uh, in verse number 40. So we have Simon the Pharisee, saying, let me, let me back up to verse 39. This man, if he were a prophet, if, if, if he were a prophet, talking about Jesus, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she's a sinner. In other words, the Pharisee who is a religious person said, I don't want anything to do with her. I don't want anything to do with her. She is a sinner. Get out of my house. But you claim to be this prophet. 
you, if you knew who she truly was, you would say, get away from me. We'll see how that turns out for him. So verse number 40, and Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. He'll regret that here in a second. Verse number 41, this is Jesus speaking. He said, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. So when we understand a little bit of the, the Jewish culture, it kind of takes on a little bit different, different approach. A denarii was about a one day's wage. So when it says 500 denarii, that was about a year and a half's worth of pay. That's what one of these debtors had. The other person, it was only 50 days. So you have kind of a lopsided amount that both of them had to pay. Neither one of them had anything with which to pay, yet the creditor forgave both of them. So Jesus asked this question, who do you think would be more thankful? Who would show more gratitude? And so Simon the Pharisee said, the one who was forgiven more. And Jesus said, you're right. Now watch what Jesus does. Where am I at? Verse number 43 or verse 44. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon. So what Jesus is doing is he is using an earthly example to reveal a kingdom truth, a heavenly truth. Verse 44. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. So let's stop right there. In the Jewish culture, when you came over to visit someone's house, there would be a spot for you to clean your dirty feet because they didn't have you know, Nike Airs shoes, they didn't have socks or anything like that. So what they did, they were walking around. They had sandals and, you know, that sort of thing. So when they came into someone's house, they would clean their feet. They would wash their feet. But also they would anoint them with oil, them on the head, to kind of cool them down and to what we would say modern day is let me go freshen up. And whatever you want to put under that banner, that's kind of what was going on of, okay, let me kind of get into a better position. So the Jewish custom was when another Jew came into your house, you would give them a way to wash their feet, anoint their head with oil, and wipe their hands, kind of freshen up a little bit. You didn't do that for a Gentile. You did not let a Gentile into your home. So that was the custom. But you see, here's the difference. Simon the Pharisee thought that he was up here and Jesus was down here that he was morally superior to Jesus, thinking he had a lock on this whole religion type of thing. So Jesus calls him out. He said, you were supposed to do this for me, yet look at what she's doing, but you're not doing. So he calls him out on that. And watch how this ends. 
Verse number 47. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Here's what I want you to take away from this building today. And I like to remind people, this may not be for you personally. You may say, okay, well, I've already got that. I know that. Good. But when we disciple others, when we talk to others about the Lord, here's what I want us to take away. She did not do these things in order to earn his forgiveness. Let me say that again. She did not do these things in order to earn his forgiveness. Meaning, if I get down on my knees and pretend to act like I'm weeping and all of this, maybe then he'll forgive me. No. She did these things. She anointed his feet with oil, washed it. I don't have hair, but you can just picture me, you know, doing that sort of thing. She did that because of what was in her heart. The reason that is so important is Jesus could tell what was in her heart. Now let's compare the two. Simon the Pharisee is saying, mm, you can't fix me. I'm already perfection. I don't need repentance. I don't need a savior. I am holy. Yet here is this woman on the low rung of society with true repentance in her heart. Her actions reflected what was in her heart. She did that out of love and repentance for Jesus. But then what he does after he calls out Simon the Pharisees, Simon the Pharisee, he does something that will set them off and set things in motion for ultimately his death. Jesus forgave her sins. And Simon the Pharisee, his head must have exploded because his scripture in the Old Testament tells him only one person can forgive sin, and that is God himself. So here you have, we, we know the end of the story. We know how this goes. We know that Jesus is God. So here you have this religious man thinking he's got it all figured out, and then this guy says, I am God, and he forgives her sin. His head must have exploded. So watch how they react. Look at verse number 49, and we're going to look at 49 and 50. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. In verse 49, some of them grumbled. They rejected the authority that Jesus had. They said, uh-uh, I don't know who this guy thinks he is. He thinks he has the power to forgive sin, but only God can do that. Little did they know that he was God. And again, in verse number 50, your faith has saved you. Her trust in him, not in her actions. Her actions did not save her. Her act of repentance, washing his feet, 
things like that, did not save her. He said, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So when we look at this particular passage, we need to understand what really was going on here. And and I think the biggest thing that we can take away is not only for ourselves, it's a good reminder, but also for those that we disciple, those that we lead to the Lord. We can tell people, it is not your actions that will get you right with God. That is never the case. Going to church will not save you. Praying will not save you. Let me rephrase that. Praying will save you. Thank you. Somebody got that. Uh, But doing all of these good things, helping little old ladies cross the street will not save you. Because your parents or your grandparents went to church, that will not save you. That is between you and the Lord only. You cannot have enough faith to save your children. They have to make that choice on their own, which is to place saving faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Ephesians 2.8 talks about God's grace combined with our faith. Our part is to trust in Him completely and say, I cannot do this on my own. I have to place my faith in Christ. And God's common grace, going back to the example of the creditor and the two debtors, those two people had a debt to pay. That speaks to God's common grace. Common grace is the same grace that I experienced is the same that Jesse experienced, the same that Eric experienced. We all experience God's grace. His grace is freely available to us. What needs to happen next is we need to place our faith in Christ. We need to say, I can't do this on my own. In and of myself, I cannot do it. It has to be faith in Him. And I want to close with this. Turn just a couple pages to your left. I want to look at Luke chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. I'll ask the worship team to, to come back up. Why is this so important? Why is this concept so important? Why is this parable that Jesus speaks so vitally important? The answer is because it points to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. What He came to do. He addresses this earlier in His ministry. This is Luke chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. And I think that we should be reminded of this verse daily. Daily. Verse 31 says, Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Verse 32, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, understanding that verse, going back to the the woman washing Jesus' feet, let's replace a couple of names and read it again. You, Simon, the Pharisee, who are well, you don't need a physician, but she does since she's sick. You don't think you're sick, but she thinks she is. I have not come to call you. I have come to call her to repentance. 
She felt the weight of that, and she responded accordingly. Her faith is what saved her, not her actions. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word that came forth here today. We thank you for this parable that you spoke to us today. We thank you that we understand that it is a kingdom truth, a kingdom principle with an earthly application. Father, we thank you for true repentance that only the Holy Spirit can bring to us or to bring us to. Father, that we realize that your common grace is not something that we toy around with, but we truly have a deeper understanding and a deeper appreciation for it. And Father, for us who are in this, this room right now, those who are watching online, Father, we just ask that you use us this week to help us share this message with others, whether it's another brother or sister in Christ or someone who does not know the Lord. Father, help us to remember this key principle from this parable, that your common grace is available to everyone. It is not actions that save us. It is our faith in who you are and what you have done. That is what saves us. It is not about us. It is all about you. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for these things. And it is in his name that we pray and ask it. And amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.